0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bear Books Podcast with me, Daisy Ray.
1: And me, April Berry.
0: Lovely to be back with everybody. What have you been up to, April?
1: I've been digging into artificial intelligence while I've had nothing else to do.
0: I'm going to refrain from asking is that because you don't have any of your own.
1: Very funny. It was something actually that was highlighted to me by my manager. She rung me a couple of days ago and said, have you heard of chat GPT and I said I've got no clue what is it and I needed to have a nosy I went on and had a look and it's it's like an artificial intelligence type chat bot.
0: What can you do on it?
1: You ask it questions and it it gives you kind of all sorts of ridiculous things. So you can you can ask it to, to make limericks, you can ask it to make poems, you can ask it questions.
0: Can you get it to make a website?
1: I don't know. I could try couldn't I yeah I did notice that you were uh, wanting some free web.
0: Absolutely. Well, I might as well put that out there, actually, while we're on here. So we are looking for a web presence on WordPress at Bear Books. So if you happen to be an author that is absolutely brilliant at using WordPress and want to set us up with a freebie website, then we will repay you By giving you an episode of Bear Books to highlight your writing and whatever book you've got that you want to amplify?
1: Just one episode. Come on, don't be stingy. Give them two.
0: What if they've only got one book?
1: All right, then. Okay. If they've got two books, they can have two.
0: (laughs) Okay, they can have two in separate seasons.
1: So, what else have you been doing then apart from touting for free labour?
0: Well, other than that, I was reading an article actually on Medium. I don't know if anyone else uses Medium, but it's a app. People post stories and articles and how-tos and all kinds of everything on Medium. It's brilliant. And I was reading an article written by Maureen Morrissey, and she was extolling the virtues of describing yourself as an author. If you self-publish, don't put yourself forward as a self-publisher, Put Yourself Forward as an Independent Author. And for all kinds of absolutely brilliant reasons, Slumdog Millionaire and Silence of the Lambs were also independent films. And look how huge they were. It's all in the...
1: Presentation, yeah.
0: Presentation, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, April.
1: Isn't that film that's, that swept the, the board at the Oscars this year an independent?
0: Oh, yes, yes. If you mean everything, everywhere, all at once.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is a little bit like Everything Everywhere all at once as well when you try and watch it, I have got to say.
0: <laughs> a lot of people would watch it because their favourite actors are in it as much as anything else and give it a go at least.
1: That's true because I've watched some films with Meryl Streep in because she is one of my favourite actresses. In fact, I would say she's my favourite actress. And some of the films that I've tried to watch that she's been in, I've thought, what a pile of pants. But i persevered and watched it because of her.
0: Yeah, I get that. I do. I get that. I like her when she tries to do funny, like in, what was it? Death Becomes Her. Yes. I thought that was hilarious.
1: Yeah. I think The Devil Wears Prada is one of my favourites. We're not really here to talk about films, are we? Yeah, we're here to talk about flash fiction, aren't we?
0: (laughs) We are here to talk about flash fiction. Yeah. The prompt for this episode was the blank page. We're going to bring you two stories, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on them. Always happy to receive an email or pop on our social media, Bear Books Pod 1 or Bear Books Podcast, whichever one you're on. Do you want to read first?
1: Yes, I'm going to read first. So get yourself that cuppa and put your feet up. This is my story for this week. It's called Upance. Jeff stared into the distance. Anything was better than looking down at the grave of his partner. He needed to keep his eyes averted as he could not take a chance on anyone being able to read his true feelings. His partner was a well-respected member of the community and her passing was a complete shock to everybody, including Jeff. Finally, the priest offered a final prayer and the mourners started to disperse, some lingering a few moments longer to pay their final respects. As darkness fell over the cemetery, a sense of quiet reverence settled in. The only sound was the soft rustling of leaves in the trees and the distant chirping of crickets. The grave of the deceased was marked with a simple headstone bearing her name and the dates of her birth and death. Jeff woke the next morning and wandered around the large house on the outskirts of the village, looking in every room on his way to the kitchen. What he was looking for he wasn't sure, but when he settled in the kitchen with his Coffee, toast and newspaper. He knew he would have to start thinking about his future. A future only last week, he thought, would be vastly different. Jeff and Julie had talked about what they would do when they retired, the places they would visit and the memories that they would make. Most of the planning had been Julie's doing, while Jeff was thinking about Susan, the new addition to his team in the office. Jeff wondered what would now happen to the business. Would he be able to run things as efficiently as julie Continue to make the strategic decisions julie had which if jeff was honest enabled them to live the affluent lifestyle they did his mobile ringing pierced his thoughts answering it he could hear the shrill squawk of tammy on the other end of the phone tammy was julie's daughter from her marriage to gavin one which jeff had successfully blown apart 10 years ago manically pursuing julie until she crumbled under his relentless compliments Romantic dates and frantic sex whenever the opportunity allowed. Jeff loved Julie, but Susan, well, she was just a distraction when Julie was working late, away on business or visiting Tammy, which Julie must do as Tammy wouldn't come anywhere near the house. She hated Jeff and that hate was now spilling out down the phone to him. He was being blamed for her mother's death, which couldn't be further from the truth, but he would never be able to convince Tammy of that. The rest of the week for Jeff passed in a blur. He visited the workplace but didn't linger, only to reassure Susan that nothing had changed but he needed to be careful about seeing her for a while until things were sorted. By that, Jeff meant the sorting of probate and all the other things that needed to be done when someone died. solicitors to see, wills to be read, estate sorted. The first thing Jeff was looking to do when he received the inheritance and the business was transferred to his sole ownership was move. He was born in a little village, but the six-bedroom house Julie owned was a bigger pull than a one-bedroom flat in the city. Jeff estimated that he was due to inherit around £10 million. He knew the worth of the business, the price of the house, and more or less the value of Julie's pension fund. He also knew that Julie had left it all to him in her will, well, except for money to ensure that Tammy was okay. Tammy and Jeff were due to meet with Julie's solicitors the next day. Something that Jeff was not looking forward to. He knew how Tammy would react. More vitriol was coming his way. But in Jeff's mind, tomorrow would be the very last time he would need to ever see her. And boy, he was glad. The next morning, Jeff and Tammy were in the solicitor's foyer, glaring at each other. But even Tammy had the foresight not to make a scene in there. Eventually, they were called into Mr Thompson's office and were sat next to each other across the desk from him. Jeff wasn't really concentrating as he should be and missed what Mr Thompson was saying. Not that that mattered. Jeff knew what was in the will because they had both made mayor wills at the same time, five years ago in this very office. Jeff, are you listening? said Mr Thompson. Jeff dragged his attention to the person sat at the other side of the desk who was talking to him with a not very sympathetic tone. So as I was saying, you have 28 days to vacate the property. Tammy will be taken over... The running of the business and Julie left this letter for you. Jeff turned white. What was happening? Mr Thompson handed him an envelope. Julie left this for you. She came into the office about a month ago. She knew she was dying but didn't want anyone to know. Jeff slowly opened the letter and pulled out an almost blank sheet of paper with only one sentence written on it. Susan can look after you now.
0: He really did get his comeuppance, didn't he?
1: Of course he did, yeah. What did you think he was going to do, not keep it in his pants and get away with it?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> that would be the normal way, of the way the world works.
1: Yeah. The one thing I have noticed about the majority of my flash fictions is they're not very happy. I do have a bit of a macabre sort of twist to my storytelling. Maybe I'll try and write a happy... No, I won't bother. I was going to say I'll write a happy one for the next one, but I... no, no.
0: Well, it's teamwork next time. You could do a happy teamwork outcome if you tried real hard.
1: Well, that'd be boring.
0: What are you going to do, have a team of people helping each other bury bodies? Oh, now there's an idea. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of the brinks bully bullying robbery.
0: <laughs> less bodies.
1: Yeah, less bodies, but still a team of people doing something.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: When you think about teamwork, though, you know, it's really funny because you're right, my, my mind is macabre. When I think about teamwork, the Nazis were a team. Anyway, let's forget about that. Do we not have something a little bit more lighthearted from you?
0: I've written about a writer, funnily enough. This story is called The Lonely Writer's Guide to Overcoming Self-Doubt. Let me introduce you to Sarah Spondergasp. She was a lonely writer. She'd been writing for years, but had never shown her work to anyone. Every time she finished a story, she would read it over and over again, picking it apart, convinced it was terrible. Sarah had always struggled with self-doubt. She was afraid that if she shared her work with anyone else, they would judge her harshly or criticize her writing, so she kept her stories to herself almost like a secret, and they sat and gathered dust hidden away in a drawer. One day, while browsing her local second-hand bookshop, Sarah stumbled upon a book called The Lonely Writer's Guide to Overcoming Self-Doubt. Intrigued, she picked it up and started flicking through the pages. The book was filled with tips and strategies for writers who struggled with self-doubt, And Sarah found herself nodding along, agreeing with what she was reading on each of the pages. One of the first things the book suggested was finding a writing group or a critique partner. Sarah had never considered this before because she thought it was just another reason to be told her writing was rubbish. But the more she thought about it, the more it had started to make sense. Maybe if she shared her work with other people, she could get some constructive feedback and improve her writing. So Sarah mustered up the courage to attend a local writing group she'd found online that met near her home. She was nervous at first, but everyone was friendly and supportive. They listened to her story and gave her some feedback, pointing out the parts they liked and offering suggestions for improvement. At first, Sarah was offended and defensive. She wanted to protect her writing, to defend every word she'd written. But then she realised that the feedback was helping. It was giving her a new perspective on her story and helping her see areas where she could make it stronger or more engaging. Encouraged by her experience with the writing group, Sarah started sharing her work more and more. She found a critique partner online and exchanged stories with them, getting even more feedback and suggestions for improvement. With each new round of feedback, Sarah's confidence grew. But even with all the positive feedback, Sarah still struggled with self-doubt. She would read a story and convince herself it was terrible, even when others had praised it. So she turned to the book for more guidance. The book suggested writing affirmations, positive statements about herself and her writing that she could repeat to herself whenever she felt doubt grouping in. So Sarah started writing affirmations like, I am a talented writer my stories are unique and compelling and I am worthy of success. At first she felt silly repeating these affirmations to herself but over time they started to sink in and Sarah began to believe in herself and her abilities and the doubts began to fade away. Then one day Sarah decided to submit one of her stories to a literary magazine. She was nervous but she reminded herself of all the positive feedback she'd received and repeated her affirmations, and to her surprise, the story was accepted for publication. It was a small victory, but it meant the world to Sarah. It was proof that her writing was good enough, that she was good enough, and it was all thanks to the guide that helped to overcome her self-doubt. From that day forward, Sarah continued to write and share her work. She still struggled with self-doubt from time to time. But she now had the tools to overcome it and she knew that with perseverance and a little help from her newfound writing community, she could achieve anything she set her mind to. However, as Sarah's writing career started to take off, she became increasingly obsessed with success. She was no longer content with simply writing for the love of it. Now she needed to be recognised, to be the best. Her writing became less about telling a story and more about impressing others. She became ruthless in her pursuit of success, sacrificing her own happiness and relationships for the sake of her writing career. Her writing group and critique partner noticed a change in her writing and tried to gently suggest that she was losing sight of what was important but Sarah was convinced that this was what she needed to do to make it in the writing world. Eventually, Sarah's writing became so cold and calculating that it lost all of its heart and soul. Her readers stopped connecting with her stories and she stopped connecting with herself. In the end, Sarah was left with a successful writing career, but no friends, no family and no happiness. She had let her obsession with success consume her, and it had cost her everything. But did she care? She did not.
1: God, she's turned into a ruthless, heartless individual. I like the ending, though. It has a good twist to it. I didn't expect that.
0: She's like a timid little mouse that turned into a dragon.
1: Yeah. I wonder if that does happen to writers, that they become more consumed with success, that the the art of of storytelling is secondary to the success of the book or the, the writing.
0: Yeah. Like, do you want to be a storyteller or do you want to be successful? It seems
1: to me that Sarah stopped wanting to write stories and just wanted to be
0: successful. She absolutely did. You'll have to tell us what you think of these stories too.
1: You can send your thoughts into our email address, which is barebookspod1 at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can also send your stories in for Flash Fiction for our next episode, which is about teamwork.
0: Oh, yes. I bet you can write all kinds of good stuff about that. So if you want to join in and have your story read on it, between 500 and 1,000 words, anything you like, as long as you're even just tenuously linked to the word teamwork we will accept it if we love it
1: we could write a a story about the podcast because that's teamwork well I come on here and do a bit of talking and you do all the rest of the work there we go look teamwork teamwork (laughs) best sort of teamwork that's going
0: (laughs) just a suggestion here randomly you could have a murderer a serial killer I'm thinking story plots not life all right okay yeah who has a team of subordinates that have to dispose of, and cover his tracks for him or her? That would be a good teamwork story to tell. Yeah, you
1: see, that's uh, you see, I don't think that's teamwork.
0: The subordinates are a team.
1: Yeah, but are they a, are they a cohesive team?
0: Well, they are if they turn around and get rid of their owner one day.
1: Well, yeah, that's true.
0: Oh, that's a whole story right there. <laughs> of course, it is. Yeah. Anyway, what have we got coming up next?
1: Oh, yes. The next episode of the podcast is a book review, and it's a review of A Natural History of Transition by Callum Angus. Uh, It's a a book of short stories, and I've got to say I've read the first one, and boy, is it weird.
0: I have to agree. I've read the first three at this moment in time, and they are surreal, maybe, would be a, a word.
1: Uh, Not to give too much away about the book, but I thought the first story was about a moth.
0: Yeah, the second one's about being the moon.
1: Okay, right. Well, we'll not give too much away.
0: So, very interesting. So, if you want to read along, A Natural History of Transition by Callum Angus. And we will be here in two weeks' time.
1: I must admit, I am looking forward to reviewing this book. It certainly
0: makes you think...
1: It does make you think, yes.
0: Yeah, sends your imagination into overdrive.
1: We'll be here in a fortnight to review it.
0: Take care of each other until then.
1: Yes, goodbye everybody and take care.
0: Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Bear Books and Bear Books Pod 1 on social media. We'd love it if you could share the podcast with your friends. And thanks so much to everyone that's left us a review. If you're listening today and you haven't given us a review yet, please do. It helps other people discover us and their new favourite indie authors. We'll be back soon with more reviews and more flash fiction. See you next time.